It's doomsday in the NFL. The Vikings trimmed the roster down to just 53 players. We're going over all the scenarios and getting you caught up with all the latest news and notes. And it's coming up next on the Minnesota Football Party. Locked on Sports Minnesota Podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota Football Party. Back in the lab, another edition, football party, locked on Sports Minnesota Network, daily breakdown, everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom, co-host of the Ron Johnson Show every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Uh, Sam, a year ago today marked kind of a major turning point in this Vikings new regime because it was the day KOC and Quasi kind of marked their territory, so to speak, and cut not one, not two, but three third-round picks from just a year prior under that Spielman regime, Kellen Mann, Wyatt Davis, and Chaz Surratt. Not to mention, they followed that up with some very interesting trades for players as well. I guess now that we're in year two, is there anything we can glean as far as like what today and, and this upcoming week might look like now that we got a little taste of how this front office likes to do business? like What's your thoughts on Quasi's tendencies from year one? Yeah, I guess we're all expecting movement. We're all expecting some trades, uh, some interesting roster maneuvering. We've already got one trade and rumors of another, which we might get into here momentarily. But wheeling and dealing, uh, I think Quasi's always looking for value, right? We, we've talked about him trying to find undervalued commodities on the market, whether that's free agency via trade. Um, and how many guys are getting cut today? Like, 37 times 32. Can you do the quick math on that, Rain Man? Uh, that's that's a, well over a 1,000 players getting cut today that are going to be available to Quasi. So if he can upgrade even just a little bit at a certain position, he he may take advantage of that, try to bring someone in off waivers or uh, you know try to trade someone for even a sixth or seventh round pick. So I think that he's looking for value. He sees this as an opportunity to kind of put in the work. Because it'd be very easy to take your foot off the gas on this day, kind of roll with the guys you have. He's trying to upgrade the roster by 1%. So I'm, I'm looking and expecting more movement, especially at some of those you know, positions of weakness maybe that the Vikings have bringing in help or at their positions of strength, maybe trading a guy or two um, and trying to get some value there. Yeah, he is not afraid to wheel and deal. Like you said, we already saw Vidarian Lowe go to the Patriots for a six-round pick, what, just two days ago? And now that he's kind of stockpiled somewhat on day three, two fourth-rounders, two fifth-rounders, two sixth-rounders, yeah, he's got some ammo, man. It would not surprise me in the least to see them target a specific guy or two and make another big move and bring in, like you said, buy low guys, right? Like they did last year with Jalen Rager, uh, Nick Mullins, Ross Blacklock, and see if they can turn things around once they're in their building with their specific coaches and their specific schemes and things like that. Uh, coming up, we're going to recap all the moves made yesterday and what we're forecasting to happen today as the Vikings still have over 20 moves yet to be made to trim this thing down to just 53 guys. But first, quick reminder, don't forget this episode. It's brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook partner of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Sam, lightning quick recap of the moves made yesterday. Vikings trimmed some fat off the roster, so to speak, parting ways with 15 names. Those names were quarterback Jordan Ta'amu, nose tackle Calvin Avery, hashtag my guy, RIP. Three cornerbacks, James Houston, CJ Colden, 
Kalen Barnes, only one wide receiver in Garrett Mogg. That tells me they're having a really tough time figuring out what that's going to look like. That room is still jam-packed to the gills right now with about seven guys for maybe one or two spots, pending how many they keep. Uh, linebacker Wilson Huber, running back Abram Smith. He looked rock solid, by the way, in two preseason games. Tight end Colin Thompson, and then three offensive linemen, Christian Delario, Jared Williams, and Josh Sokol. Anything surprise you noteworthy there or pretty by the book for the most part, Sam? Nothing yesterday, but in the last minute, we do have this. Bubble guy, Tristan Jackson, the latest cut. Ooh. And that, and that, along with this, Ian Rappaport reporting uh, potential trade rumors around Jalen Rager. That, those two pieces of news, Luke, would seem to be a tell about how many wide receivers they're keeping. So yesterday, those cuts, those were the easy cuts. Today, it's the bubble guys. And I think maybe as this show is happening, the picture is going to get a lot clearer at what they're doing at uh, wide receiver and some of those other interesting kind of controversial positions. Yeah, as we're recording this in real time, we're getting all these waiver moves and roster adjustments on the fly. So who knows? You may hear that sound effect a few more times as the show goes on. Let's do this. I'm going to read off my final 53-man projection going position by position, and you tell me, am I spot on? Am I way off? What you would do? Maybe some hot takes. How does that sound? Sound good? Sounds good. I'm ready to react. Okay. And hit that breaking news button a lot of times. Yeah, no doubt. Keep your finger on the trigger. And again, I just want to take a step back and say today is going to be absolutely wild. Not just for the Vikings, but around the whole league. Teams on average. I mean, you, you kind of did the quick math. About each team, about 20 cuts today. And then what follows is really where the fun starts. Absolute whirlwind. Guys getting signed to the practice squad. Guys getting picked up on other teams. Trades are going to go down, undoubtedly. And it's going to be absolute mayhem. Okay, here's my Vikings 53-man roster and what I think this front office is going to do. Not what I would do, but what yeah. I think is going to happen. Let's start at quarterback. And maybe along the way, you can check my math here. Just jot these down as well here, Sam, just to make sure. Three quarterbacks, though. No shocker. Kirk, Mullins, Jaron Hall. The thought process is don't get cute trying to put Hall on the practice squad. It's just too important of a position. You know, a backup linebacker, maybe interior offensive lineman, sure. But quarterback, too important of a position. Hall has shown some great strides throughout the preseason as well. You with me there? I'm with you. I would be very surprised if he was waived. I think they'll find that roster spot elsewhere if they need it. All right. Mark me down for five running backs as well. Madison, Chandler, Kenne, Debo, and CJ Ham. Now, I will say, and we've had this conversation before a few times this week, there's some serious options here, starting with Kenne maybe on the PUP or the NFI list. That would mean he misses the first four games, but it would also save you a crucial roster spot as well. That's something I definitely could see happening because as you're about to find out here, as we go through these positions, they're going to need every spot they can get because this thing gets really tight, especially near the end. And plus, the fact we haven't just seen the guy in the past month, mm -hmm. it tells you something's clearly up with Kenny's health. Um, I believe you have to keep these guys first, count them towards the initial 53, then you can place them on pup and go pick up another guy. Is that correct? Is that what your understanding is of well? Uh, boy, that's a good question. Um, I, I don't think I you can cut the guy or not keep him on your initial 53 before putting him on the pup. 
So, so you think someone someone will have to go through waivers and then potentially be brought back if they wanted to to clear up that spot later? I'll tell you what. We'll do some digging as we're recording this show, as we continue to go on. Maybe we can clarify and clear some of that up because that does kind of play a factor as well, pending on what these GMs and the front offices want to do with some of these kind of hobbled guys now that we've gone through three games of the preseason. Um, okay, that brings the total up to eight. To wideouts we go, and i got to tell you, Sam, I mean, you tell me they're going to keep six wideouts at the beginning of camp, my head would be spinning. But here we are, and I think once you get past the obvious big four, J.J., K.J., Addison, and Jalen Naylor, I think not only is Brandon Powell a lock, but I mentioned this yesterday, I think the fact not only has Jalen Rager just looked more comfortable in this offense on a day-to-day scale, very consistent, but the fact you traded picks for him, the fact he's a first-rounder on a rookie deal, which means you'll probably have to eat more money if you waive him, and the simple fact, too, we've seen him play a lot of special teams gunner. I think they're going to do it, man. If they can't end up trading him, which we're going to have to take 30 seconds and talk about what a trade scenario could look like and maybe the compensation coming back, but I got him keeping six wideouts with both Powell and Jalen Rager. How about that? That's interesting. I, I wonder how it blows over if Rager is, has to come back after being rumored to be traded. That might not fly very well. I, I would, uh, I'd go five. I would, I would disagree. I, I think that Powell and Rager are just a little redundant. Um, I think that Powell is your punt returner. The money is what's interesting, Luke. That is the kicker here that could force their hand. And the trade is what relieves them of the the financial obligations. That's why there are leaks coming out. They're trying to drum up a trade market. And maybe it's all coming from the Vikings. Maybe it's all for not, right? It's very possible that this might amount to nothing. We've seen this before where there's a leak. Vikings trying to make a last-ditch effort to trade a guy, and it falls through. Um, Although I will say that Rager has put quality preseason tape out there. I think he's looked pretty good. He's had multiple catches in every game. I think he did a nice job this preseason, made eight catches, I think Andrew Kramer tweeted. So if they could get anything at all, even a seventh for Rager and be relieved of the money, that would be a big win for them. So I think they would take really anything, to be honest with you, Luke, uh, and then keep five five receivers. So that's my take. Um, But I totally see, I don't think you're out out of your mind. Uh, keeping regular on this roster. Yeah, and again, as these trade rumors start to warm up here this morning, again, you're saying if they don't find a trade partner, they will let him go. I think, again, more so than just the play on the field. Again, he has looked better. We both agree on that. I think Quace is just too much of a penny pincher, man. I think every penny matters. And the fact that, again, he's a first-round pick on that rookie deal, they're going to have to eat a little bit more money if they do, in fact, let him go. I think it comes down to just that extra million, million and a half in Quacey. He's just too OCD about his salary cap at this point. We've learned that. I think he wants to keep every penny he can get. And I think if they can't find a trade partner, which, by the way, what are we talking? Seventh rounder next year, conditional? I mean, you gave up a fifth for him, right, last year. So I can't see anything more than a sixth. To be you're not going to get equal value. That's that's no, for sure. Especially no, now that loss. now yeah. now you've only it's a one year rental. Like last year, the Vikings got him for two years, and you, you could kind of get excited about that. Uh, whoever gets him this year is getting him into the offense late. And then they only get him for one year. So it's just a little tougher sell in any trade negotiation. Yeah, no doubt. So again, if they can't find a trade partner, 
I think they end up keeping him. You say otherwise. Tristan Jackson, an early cut here this morning, certainly think he's still a practice squad candidate, along with Thayer Thomas and Blake Prohl. Those would be my top three candidates that I'd circle as targets for the practice squad at this position. You can keep 16 guys, man. It wouldn't be surprising if they kept three wide receivers on that practice squad. Do those three names sound about right for you as well? Spot on. On the money, um, and I think the order would be Tristan, Thayer, Blake Prohl. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's that's the pretty clear hierarchy. So Prohl would be the practice squad bubble guy, if you uh, have ever heard of such a phrase. If you're keeping six wide receivers, which again remains to be seen, but I got to keep in six, I don't see a world where you can keep four tight ends as well. And I know, mm-hmm. you know, we've talked a lot about KOC wants to deploy a lot of heavy tight end sets this year and packages. But to me, it's either six wideouts or it's four tight ends. So do you like Rager more or do you like Nick Muse is basically what it all comes down to. And from what I'm seeing, Muse has been rock solid, by the way. But because he's younger, he was only a seventh-round pick last year, I think it's more likely you can sneak him back on the practice squad. And I think my mind's just kind of already made up, pending a potential trade here again with Jalen Rager. Um, I think Nick Muse is the one that ends up getting the short rope. They're keeping three here on my book, Hawkinson, Josh Oliver, and apparently the best number three tight end in the NFL, according to Kevin O'Connell, that would be Johnny Munt. Um, What's the total up to now? And where are you at with this tight end package? I guess if you're keeping five receivers, you got a little bit more flexibility to keep a guy like Nick Musa. Well, hey, maybe if Johnny Munt's the best tight end three in the NFL, maybe there's trade value for Johnny Munt. Maybe Nick Muse steps up to be your tight end three. Johnny Munt yields you a, a fifth round pick. No, I, I think uh, I think three tight ends is correct. You can find, if you lose Nick Muse, you lose Nick Muse. Uh, you can find a tight end four that can do what he can do. And it might even be CJ Ham. That's how versatile Ham is. So if you're in that kind of pinch where you need to use your fourth tight end, just you know, call up the ham bone, and I think you're going to be okay. So I, I'm with you. You got it. You're craving roster spots. You need roster spots on the defensive line and the secondary at maybe wide receiver if you're keeping six. So this is where you cut. Tough decision, but I agree with you. Okay, offensive line, this is where things get a little interesting because more and more teams now around the league are rolling with just eight offensive linemen. It used to be nine was the minimum, if not 10. Some teams even kept 11 here or there year after year. Um, I'm rolling with eight. Derrissaw, Ezra, Bradbury, Ingram, O'Neal, you're starting five, obviously. Blake Brandle, who's shown some versatility. Ole Udo, the only real swing tackle left. And Austin Schlotman. Uh, I feel like I can get away with that, for now anyways, just knowing I've got Chris Reed on the NFI kind of in my back pocket. Hopefully he comes back healthy and is ready to return by week five. Uh, Certainly, it's not out of the realm of possibilities they bring someone in or make, you know, kind of a mini splash here, whether that's signing a guy like Dalton Reisner, which I think a lot of people would love just for depth, if nothing else, or making a trade using that extra six-rounder. For example, you just got back from Vidarian Lowe. You go get a, a new backup, a new developmental guy perhaps mm-hmm. that you like, that your scouting team has kind of targeted for you. Eight offensive linemen, though, one of the reasons you're able to keep six wide receivers and a guy like Jalen Rager or Nick Muse with four tight ends for that matter. And I think for that alone, it's probably worth it for a guy like KOC who's very offensive-oriented. What do you think about the O-line and rolling with eight? 
Big gamble, too much of a gamble. No, this is what you do. You put two offensive linemen on your practice squad, one interior, one tackle. I think Alan Ali Mm -hmm. probably makes the practice squad. I thought he had momentum late in camp. He's an an undrafted free agent rookie who's got a little potential. I think that Ali and then one other might not be on the roster now, might be from elsewhere. They'll have two offensive linemen on the practice squad. They'll use them on their game day elevations early in the season. And then for the first four weeks, they won't have Chris Reed. I think that Reed, after his four-week NFI stint, comes back, joins the roster. He becomes your ninth. And it works itself out that way. So start with eight. While they're all healthy, you're probably going to only dress eight anyway. So I think it uh, totally makes sense. Very well said. So that's 25 on offense. You already know the three special teamers. They're locked in stone. Greg Joseph, Ryan Wright, Andrew DePaula. Uh, Let's get to the 25 defensive guys here next. But before we do that, quick reminder, don't forget, we're presented by FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of Locked On, America's number one sports book, and official sports book partner of the NFL. Sam, it feels like every single week, FanDuel comes out with another crazy new promotion. This week's no different. Right now, if you place just a $5 bet, you get $200 back in bonus bets. That's right. Times your bet by 40 with $200 in bonus bets back on any $5 wager. But wait, Sam, there's more. Sign up today. Any member who bets just $5 gets $100 off the NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube or YouTube TV. By the way, my family has YouTube TV. I can attest to it. We dumped our cable. We switched to YouTube TV. Never look back. Nothing but great things to say about YouTube and YouTube TV. Highly recommend switching to it if you haven't already. I love sitting down on Sundays, clocking into nine straight hours of Scott Hansen in that Red Zone channel. Absolutely nothing better. Goes without saying, now is definitely the best time to join FanDuel, the app. It's so easy to use. You can bet on anything and everything. Money lines, parlays, prop bets, over-unders. You name it, they got it. Just download the easy-to-use FanDuel app. Get your winnings instantly. Go check it out today, fanduel.com slash locked on, and get your $200 in bonus bets back, along with 100 bucks off the NFL Sunday ticket through YouTube or YouTube TV through America's number one sports book. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, the official sports book partner of the NFL. All right, Sam, back to the roster we go. Between offense and special teams, I'm up to 28. That leaves me with 25 spots for defense. Mm-hmm. Let's start on the defensive line. A lot of back and forth on last week's show about keeping five or keeping six. And ultimately, I've come to my senses. I do agree with you guys. They will, in fact, just keep five here. Those five are Dean Laurie, Phillips, Tonga. Those are your starters. Then I got Jaquelin Roy and Oda Maywo. That's my five here with the Ross Blacklock cut that happened within the last, what, five, ten hours or so. Sheldon Day, TJ Smith, maybe practice squad candidates, along with maybe Jonathan Bullard. Does that sound about right to you, Leidame? What do you think about this defensive line rotation? Boy, toughest one. It's the toughest spot by far. And I don't know if it's because they have great depth. It's more that they have equal depth. Like guys four through nine, to me, all seem even. Um, They made things a little clearer when they cut Day and Blacklock last night, but they're still sitting on Bullard. They're still sitting on Smith. Um, I agree that Asezi probably gets a second year. Um, And then who who was your fourth guy? That you had uh, Jaquelin Roy. Roy definitely Otomewo. makes it. Definitely yeah. makes it. Yeah. I could see them keeping six, I'll be honest with you. Um, and again, 
the ripple effect, you know, then you're questioning whether you can keep Najee Thompson. You're questioning whether you can keep Luigi Valane. Like, I, I guess I would rather keep a Valane than another interior. So let's roll with it. Let's go with the five and, uh, and, and see what happens. And you know what? They're, they're also, they've used, uh, Marcus Davenport as a guy that can put his hand in the ground and he can play some interior as well as a three down kind of defensive lineman. So maybe they can, cross-train some of their edges to play a little more inside. Yeah, you make such a great point. So that's five, by the way. I'm down to 20 roster spots left. Let's go to the edge department. And I think if you're only keeping five defensive linemen, you nailed it. You almost have to keep five edge because some of these guys give you that versatility to put their hand in the dirt when needed. Hunter, Davenport specifically. Plus, I've got Wanham. I've got Patrick Jones. And, of course, Luigi Villain, who people forget he was working with the first team here or there throughout camp. So I definitely think he's here to stay. They kept him last year, and he's only gotten better, developed a little bit more, progressed. No reason to think they won't do that same once again. Uh, you sneak Andre Carter on the practice squad, and there's your group sound about right there I think with your five and then you got to get Andre Carter on that practice squad you would think yeah um and I don't think he's shown nearly enough that he's going to get poached I mean even though he does have sort of the the target on his back where teams would say oh they paid him three hundred thousand dollars as a prized UDFA we want him I don't know if that's going to be the case I think the practice squad makes sense that's certainly going to be their desire he's not going to be on the 53 I'd be stunned if he was on the 53, only way that happens is if they trade a Patrick Jones or a, a DJ Wanham or a Luigi Villane today. That That's the only way they sneak Andre Carter on. I don't think they're going to do it. So I'm going to go with the five that we expect, and we'll wait for Quazy to surprise us with something. But I think 10 total between edge and interior. So that's 10. I got 15 spots left. To linebacker we go. I've got your big four, Jordan Hicks, Brian Asamoah. By the way, Asamoa, okay, let's just talk about this for 10 seconds. I've yeah. been saying Asamoa. I heard in an interview, he actually said to the guy he was getting interviewed by, it's actually Asamoa, but I just kind of roll with it because everybody just calls me Asamoa. So I don't think he really cares either way, but I think it's technically Asamoa. Asamoa, uh, Brian yeah. Asamoa. Hey, go with what the player says. You know, sometimes players like to play play games too like Xavier Rhodes was ex Xavier Rhodes for one year but <laughs> he was Xavier right. other like Vasante Shanko was always changing the way we said his name but no I Asamoa I I'm good with that now we need to make it mainstream so we're not the weird ones who are saying it correctly and everyone else has it wrong yeah, it's just burned in my brain at this point. You'll probably mm-hmm. still hear me say just out of natural reflex that, okay, Brian Asamoah, but Asamoah is what we're shooting for from here on out, planting our flag. Jordan Hicks, Asamoah, Ivan Pace Jr., and Troy Dye. I don't know, maybe Troy Reader on the practice squad if he doesn't sign somewhere else, but that's my four. Yep. Uh, Die. I think, over Reader. He's been repping above him the entire camp. Had an interception in a preseason game. He's wearing the gloves now. He doesn't look like a long snapper. Different I don't guy. see why they different player. Yeah, well, why wouldn't you keep Troy Die on this roster? And and you know, in May, I might have said that he was off. It was definitely going to be Reader, but Die outplayed him. So I'm going to go with Die. I agree with that. 
11 spots left here. This secondary outside of the D line and maybe wide out, probably the trickiest position to put all these puzzle pieces together. Sam, you got a lot of guys who can probably line up and play multiple positions, which makes things really tough to project and get inside the coach's head. But I've got six cornerbacks here, Sam. Caleb Evans, Byron Murphy, Blackman, the rookie, Joan Williams, Najee Thompson, the special team stud, and Andrew Booth. Andrew Booth, the mindset is, okay, He's probably not going to dress more weeks than not because there's no special teams value, but I, you just can't cut Andrew Booth yet. We're just not there. He's got to get at least one more season and maybe reevaluate going into year three. Tay Gowan, Jalen Williams, potential practice what guys, though? I don't know. Six cornerbacks, though, end of the day, Sam. What do you think about that? Yeah, you uh, you bought into the Arif Hassan, Luke Braun, Najee I got Thompson. brainwashed. You, you got indoctrinated. It might happen. It could definitely happen. So the way that you've set it up with 11 defensive backs, your decision is Najee Thompson or Theo Jackson. Correct. Um, because, and again, it really does come down to special teams value at that stage. And, and Najee Thompson probably has more of that, although he is sitting, you know, we don't know if he's cleared the protocols yet. We don't know if he's healthy enough uh, to be considered on the 53. Usually these concussions clear up after a week or two, but I uh, don't want to take that for granted. But I think that's your decision, Najee or Theo Jackson. And I'm going to be honest, too. Theo Jackson has much more defensive value than Najee Thompson. Jackson is kind of like a, he's been training in the box. He's a pretty quality safety. He's had some good preseason games. Najee Thompson is not a defensive player. So you are getting more bang for your buck with Theo Jackson if you were ever called into duty. So keep that in mind. To And I, I think your, your projection's fine here. But keep that in mind, too. Theo Jackson, not completely uh, out of the conversation for making this roster. Yeah, and you bring up a great point. Defensively, Theo Jackson, he's got the edge over Najee. But you got to ask yourself, how much are these guys actually going to be on the field playing defense? Yeah. 2% of the time throughout the entire season, 3% at most, barring, of course, pending any knock on wood, any injuries. But um, I think really it comes down to, okay, the only time you're actually going to see these guys on the field is special teams. And where Theo has a huge edge on defense, Najee Thompson clearly has the edge uh, and has become really the special team's ace of the team in that area, in that department. So, um, yeah, certainly tough, though. Uh, but I think, you know, hey, if Brian Flores is going to run this defense for a full 17 weeks, plus hopefully playoffs, he's going to need not just capable starters. He's going to need some great depth as well. So I think he's going to be banging the table. He's probably doing it right now inside the office at the meetings. It's what? 11, 10 a.m. right now. They got three and a half hours left. He's banging the table as we speak to make sure he's got enough versatility and just options in this secondary department. That's for sure. That leaves me with the five safety spots left. That would be Harrison Smith, Cam Bynum, Josh Metellus, Lewis Seen, and the rookie from LSU, Jay Ward. I got Theo Jackson on the practice squad, of course, as well. <laughs> when you just group these safeties, Sam, and the cornerbacks all into one pool, now you got a ton of different directions you can go as a play caller with so much versatility. Guys like Jay Ward and Cam Bynum and Josh Metellus, they can line up at multiple spots in multiple formations and different sub packages. That just helps you sleep a little bit easier at night if you're Brian Flores with so many options back there and enough bodies, more importantly, to just survive this long gauntlet season when the inevitable does happen and guys start to go down. But there's my 53, Sam. Quick thoughts on that safety group to wrap up mm -hmm. and just your overall big takeaways. Any big bullet points? Yeah, the versatility 
is really the the big thing here on defense. Uh, you've got edges that can play a little bit of interior. You've kind of got like defensive tackles that are also noses. You've got safeties that can play down in the box. Your cornerbacks, a lot of them can play inside and outside. So you do have a lot of versatility with that defensive group. Uh, I like that you went 25-25, and the way you laid it out there it makes a lot of sense. So our, our most notable cuts uh, that we've made here from, you know, based on what we have looking at now with the, who's on the roster, uh, TJ Smith gets cut. Um, who's the other defensive lineman that, that we cut? Now I'm blanking. Ross Blacklock. Blacklock, and he's already been cut. He's Sheldon been Day cut. as well. So, yeah, no, I, I feel like you piece together a 53 without a tremendous amount of controversy. Nick Muse, I guess, was it maybe a little, uh, you know, on the bubble, but no, good job. Well done by you. Yeah, I think just to echo that, the three big bullet takeaways, I guess, would be it's either six wideouts or four tight ends. It's one or the other. Pick your poison. Jalen Rager, Nick Muse. We'll find out a lot more if they are able to actually move a guy like Jalen Rager. That'll make that decision a lot easier. Number two would be, do you have the guts? to start with just eight offensive linemen because I think they, uh-oh, uh-oh, lay it on me. All right, tear it up. We got to start over. Luigi Villain has been waived. Whoa! Big. Oh, my God. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, we're going to start this whole thing over again. Andre Carter, come on down. Are they? If they, if they keep Carter over Villain, man, I don't man. like that at all. Well, okay. Do they keep Carter over Valene and still put Valene on the practice squad? That doesn't make much sense at all to me. Maybe they're a little too scared and timid to put Andre Carter on the practice squad. Maybe they think Andre Carter uh, might get sniped. The, yeah, the guy though, I mean, the guy they just waved has shown a ton in the preseason and the guy Andre Carter's been invisible. Yeah, no, you're, Man, you're, you're not wrong is... about that. Absolutely, you're not wrong about that. Right now, today, as a football player, defensively edge guys, I mean, without a doubt, Luigi Villain has just blown Andre Carter mm -hmm. out of the water. Day-to-day -day practice, preseason games, you name it, he's got the edge. So that's a huge surprise there, Sam. Again, you got to assume Andre Carter would be in line to get that fifth spot because uh, there's no way they're only rolling with four Unless for some odd freaky reason, maybe they keep six defensive linemen instead of five, and then they feel a little bit more comfortable rolling with just four edge guys and still try to get Andre Carter in the practice squad. That's crazy, man. I, I never in a million would have thought that. I know he wasn't a lock by any means, but I just assume for the simple fact you kept him last year, and that was, remember, the big surprise decision last year? That was probably at the top of the list. Biggest surprise of the final 53 Luigi Villain made the 53. He's only gotten better, and now you decide to part ways? That's just very interesting, man. And very you've got, and I've, I've reiterated this all summer, you've got three pending free agents at edge. Hmm. Wanham, Davenport, and Hunter, and Villain showing signs that he can be, a, at minimum, a rotational piece. One year fantasy league, your preseason fantasy league. I yeah, mean, had, I mean, he had, I think, at Strip least sack. One, one sack and then another that was waved off due to a penalty on somebody else was pretty good in the run game, I thought. I didn't think he had a, a lot of weaknesses. He wasn't a one-trick pony, but that's a uh, you know, numbers game. When when it comes down to it, some deserving guys have to get cut. I, I don't agree with this one, but we'll see what 
comes of it. If he ends up on the practice squad, great. But also you have to to worry once they even get on the practice squad, there's there's no guarantee to stay there. You know, they could right. still get sniped at any point, and then you would have your hand forced uh, on what to do there. So that's that's interesting. We're recording this at 11 a.m. Tuesday, August 29th. Let the games already begin. That's the first big splash. Wow, surprise move of the day. Luigi Villain, he is out. We'll see pending potential practice squad candidate, Andre Carter, come on down. We'll see how that shakes out. Uh, but within the next you know, three and a half hours here, Sam, we're going to know a lot more as to what this all looks like as far as this final 53, not to mention the absolute circus that's going to ensue shortly thereafter with Quasi potentially doing some more wheeling and dealing with draft picks, just like he did last year. By the way, I think we should point out, just to clarify some things when it comes to these roster moves that are going to unfold here today, just to better understand kind of the biggest bullet points you need to know, I just pulled this up. This was a tweet from Field Yates this morning that I think summarizes a lot of these moves the best. Players let go with fewer than four seasons of service will hit waivers. Waiver claims will be processed by noon Eastern time Wednesday, so 11 a.m., tomorrow so for example a Sezi or Nick Muse if they were to get waived because they have four or less years under their belt they go into that pool and all 32 teams can make a run at them bids will be processed and go through tomorrow again at 11 a.m central standard time to the highest bidder more or less kind of like fantasy free agent wire Tuesday morning players let go with more than four seasons they become free agents immediately they can sign elsewhere right away as soon as that three o'clock deadline hits 301 p.m central standard time they could sign a new contract anywhere they want players move to reserve or the pup the nfi will miss a minimum of four games that's a guy like chris reed we talked about or potentially kenny four games minimum if they do land on that reserve or pup list today by three o'clock any player move to the ir today at 4 p.m eastern is not eligible to return he's out the entire season i don't think correct me if i'm wrong Seth. I don't think the Vikings have anyone like that on the roster right now that would be a potential IR candidate, but we'll find out, I guess. I don't know. Malik Knowles. Oh, yeah. And I, yeah, I, I don't think so. I, you'd be testing my, my brain here, unless, unless the Lewis seen injury. Oh, wow. Is significantly worse than we've been let, led on to believe. Oh. But I, I think KOC has indicated that it's not. That would so be, I, I don't think we need to worry about that heartbreaker sam uh final note here from field yates on this tweet 16 man practice squads they take shape tomorrow at noon central standard time all free agents are eligible to join one of those practice squads tomorrow at noon that's a lot different than what it all looked like by the way just two three years ago isn't it i mean they've really opened mm -hmm. up the rules and the practice squad spots specifically just to give teams more options throughout an entire again 17 game season now yeah, absolutely. I mean, they've they've created more spots. They've shortened the time you have to spend on the pup, um, and this isn't even included on on those bullet points. But you can now have veteran, like a certain number of veteran players. So, like a Sheldon Day, is now eligible if he wants to come back to the Vikings practice squad. That's okay. Like they've carried some veteran cornerbacks in years past whose names escaped me uh, right now. And then the IR too. Um, you can designate players for IR to return, multiple players that only uh, have to be out for like three weeks or something. So there, there's a lot of different ways that teams are given roster flexibility now, which I think is great for the game, great for the players.
Uh, great for the game. Great for the players. If you're going to make us play another game, it's already a gauntlet of a season. It's a long ride. It's such a brutal, physical, violent sport. You got to give coaches and players a little bit more options as well. And coaches have gone so much more to these sub packages that it allows specific guys to carve out these unique roles like, hey, I'm just a big nickel guy. Ten years ago, there wasn't a spot for me on the roster. Now you can sneak me on the roster and use me how you see fit week to week, pending the game plan and the opponent. But yeah, again, so much whirlwind, nonstop moves, action going on. Make sure you're following and subscribe to not only the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel, but our Twitter as well. That's on Twitter at Lockdown. M-I-N. Follow along. We're going to have daily recaps and reactions to all these roster moves coming up, not just this week, but of course, all season long. All right, Sam, I want to end with what's more likely kind of our new weekly Tuesday tradition. Now, can you give me mm-hmm. some tunes, please, per usual? What do you got for me today? What kind of mood are you in here today? Yeah. Um, how about some rock? What do you think? I'm digging it. I'm already digging it. Beautiful. All right. First one up. What's more likely, Jordan Addison to have the best season of any Vikings rookie in this class or the field? So basically, is Jordan Addison going to have the best season of all these rookies or the field? You can take the field, which means you can have Makai Blackman, Jaqueline Roy, Jay Ward, D. McBride, Jaron Hall, and of course, Ivan Pace Jr. Don't forget about him as well. You're like he's the kind of sneaky wild card here you got to think about. He is, he is, because uh, he could end up starting a lot of games this year. I think that Addison misses some games with some of that injury proneness, but I think when he's on the field, I think he's efficient. I think he gives the offense another dimension. He catches everything. I think it's Addison. I'm going to go chalk with this one. Yeah, you make a great point, though. It's just like fantasy football or, of course, real-life football as well. It's like, okay, anybody can go down in this brutal sport at any time. Now, with Addison, you only got one option. You take the field, you got seven different options. A little bit more security there. But I'm with you. Jordan Addison just seems like he's going to be a perfect fit taking over for that Adam Thielen role and this potential top-five offense. All right, next one up. What's more likely, Kirk Cousins winning a Super Bowl first or... Dalvin Cook. What's more likely? Who's going to win that Super Bowl first? Kirk Cousins or Dalvin Cook? Um, I only know who they're going to be playing for this year. And unfortunately, I think the Jets have a better shot. I know that AFC is loaded. So if you wait for like the strength of conference, maybe the Vikings are a little more on even terms. But that's a good Jets roster. Their defense is a lot more Super Bowl ready. The offense has Aaron Rodgers. He's reinvigorated. Um, So I'm sorry. I got to go with Dalvin Cook. Check out this schedule, by the way, for the Jets. And again, AFC's loaded. Every team's tough. No gimmies in the league. But check out this starting schedule for the Jets. At home versus the Buffalo Bills, a Super Bowl favorite. Prime time Sunday night game. Excuse me, Monday night game. Then you follow that up at Dallas. Then it's New England at home. Kansas City Chiefs. At Denver Broncos, Philadelphia Eagles, two Super Bowl teams in three weeks. At New York, Battle of New Yorks, Chargers, and then Buffalo again. That's just brutal, man. No easy games, no easy schedules in this league. I get it. But, man, if the Jets start cold, like Aaron Rodgers has been known to do, Mm -hmm. um, wouldn't surprise me in the least bit. That's a tough, tough schedule. All right, next one up. What's more likely, the entire NFC North division winning double-digit games 
or going 500 or below? What's more likely? What do you think? I think it's the latter. It's 500 or below. Expecting the Bears to win 10, ah, that that is a tough ask. Jordan Love winning 10. Like I so I could see any of the four kind of pulling a rabbit out of the hat and winning double digit games. It's not going to happen with all of them. There's probably one surprise team maybe between the Packers and Bears, but if they win 10, you know, again, that might knock the, the Vikings down a peg. It might knock the Lions down a peg because uh, it means that they're probably beating up on the Vikings too. So I think it's I think that it's more likely that they're all just 500. Yeah, I'm with you as well. I agree. By the way, I think there's going to be prepare yourself, buckle up. I think when you look at each division around the league right now, I think there could be up to four new division winners, which is just insane. Again, just shows the parity around the league. I got the Seahawks. Steelers, Saints. Sorry, Vikings fans. I really am. I got the Lions. But a lot of parity coming up here, Sam, I think. Four new division winners, and that's not including a division like the AFC East with the Dolphins, Jets, or Pats winning it, or the AFC West. I don't know. Maybe the Chiefs finally catching the Super Bowl hangover. A lot of parity. That's all I'm saying. I'm calling my shot. Planting my flag. I think you're going to see a lot of parity, which is going to be great for the league and a lot of mm -hmm. fans around the league as well. Next one up, what's more likely? Justin Jefferson is signed to an extension by week one or TJ Hawkinson? We've gone back and forth on this for a while. The only reason I threw this one in there, sounds like the JJ extension talk is warming back up a little mm -hmm. bit before we get to week one. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'm going to go with JJ. And I guess my source is Diana Rossini, who's had reports on both of them and says that TJ Hawkinson's far away. I'm still conspiracy guy. I think that the the ear infection, the back stuff, I, I think it's a little shady. Justin Jefferson, there's been, been nothing but positivity regarding those talks. Uh, he seems very content with everything. Kwesi has spoken very confidently about it. The owner himself, Mark Wilf, has spoken very confidently about these negotiations, so there's nothing to suggest it won't get done. Um, the question is, Luke, are we going to go long term, like a lifetime deal? Is it going to be kind of the normal four or five year? Or could Justin Jefferson lobby for a shorter term deal and then hit free agency again in a couple of years and cash in once more? It could happen. It's a great point. It's going to be very interesting. Anytime a new player is trying to set the market, I should say reset the market, really. Um, things get very interesting. I would love to be a fly in the wall during those conversations with Quasi, KOC, JJ, and his agent. Here's what I would do. Here's what I would do if I was JJ. So the highest wide receiver guarantee is $75 million. I think it was Cooper Cup. I would ask for a three-year deal for like $100 million total and maybe $80 million guaranteed. So you get the highest guarantee for a wide receiver ever. Which is what's most important. Which is what's guaranteed important. money. If I go down, that's all guaranteed. Doesn't matter. He probably he probably gets plays out the deal, gets the whole $100 million, mm -hmm. and then he signs again when he's like 27 years old. I think that's the path to make the most money. Now, he maybe, maybe there's also a path where he gets like a mega deal where he gets 150 million guaranteed and signs long, long term. But that seems super against Quasi's values as well. It really does. It really does. But you look at the deal that Patrick Mahomes signed in Kansas City, and now just two years later, we're all looking at that, just salivating, going, man, 
That was such a great deal for the Chiefs. And of course, Patrick Mahomes gets so much money up front and guaranteed over 10 years. Maybe that may be the new wave of thinking for both player and team with the front office as well. Uh, that'll be very interesting to see how that all plays out. And if either of these guys ends up getting an extension before week one. All right, next one up. Who's more likely to have more receiving touchdowns this year? Josh Oliver or Ty Chandler? What do you think? I think it's Josh Oliver. I think that running backs catching touchdowns are pretty random, like kind of few and far between, unless you get loose, right? Like unless they drop a screen from 40 yards out. But how often are those going to happen, right? Dalvin Dalvin only had a couple of those in his entire Vikings career. Um, you know, Alexander Madison had that fluky third and 15 screen pass for a touchdown in London last year. But you, there's not too many examples. And again, we don't know how much Ty Chandler will be on the field behind Alexander. Josh Oliver is going to be on the field a lot, particularly in goal line situations. So I'm banking on at least three schemed up touchdown catches for Josh Oliver. Yeah, a lot of people just assume they hear Josh Oliver, they think, oh, blocking tight end. Best blocking tight end in the league, but a blocking tight end at his core. No, no. He came out of San Jose State, what, five years ago? He was an outstanding, more so a stand-up slot type of tight end in that San Jose offense. So certainly he can catch. Uh, going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. What about if I said KJ or Addison? Who do you think has more touchdowns this year? I just see KJ talk about scripting some plays down at the goal line. Remember, very inefficient running the ball inside the red zone last year. But what they did, KOC schemed up a lot of basically JJ. He attracts all the attention, double, triple team sometimes down there. And you'd find a KJ Osborne or an Adam Thielen wide open outside one of the hash marks or in the back of the end zone. I just think KJ Osborne might get a handful of those easy kind of gimmicky, quick goal line, red zone inside the 10 yard line kind of touchdowns again this year. There's a resemblance too in the way that KJ Osborne and Adam Thielen play. And KJ, when Adam Thielen has been hurt, KJ would do the Adam Thielen stuff. So I think he's very accustomed to that. And I think that when they draw up those same goal line looks, it might be KJ in the Adam Thielen role. So I, and he's, he's probably just a takes up a little more space, a little bigger target than, uh, than the slight Jordan Addison. So I'm going to go KJ there. I like that. All right. Next one up. What's more likely the Vikings blowing out the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at home week one or a nail biting finish that comes down to the final drive. Baker Mayfield announces the starter now. Uh, that team's just two years removed from the Super Bowl, by the way. They've got a lot of core guys still on that roster. Current spread in Vegas, sitting at Vikings by six and a half. What do you say? All I know is nail-biting finishes, Luke. Have you I, watched I, the I Vikings the last two years? We should look at the last 34 Vikings games and classify how many have been of the nail-biting variety, because I bet it's more than half. Weird things happen in week one. You just don't want to get upset. Because, like, how often do you see a team in week one lose an inexplicable game? For instance, Vikings losing to the 49ers in 2015. Didn't the 49ers go, like, 2-14 and 14 that year? Oh, they were a truck. Um, that, that's how they got Nick Bosa, I think, the next year. Didn't the Jaguars beat Phillip Rivers in week one and then go on to lose the next 15 and get Trevor Lawrence like crazy the week stuff one is so weird man happens. the Vikings even though they lost that just bogus game to a terrible team they ended up winning the division they went to like 11 yep. and 5 yep so just 
just avoid the upset at all costs and win by one point. I don't care. All right, last one. Who's more likely to become the defensive MVP under Brian Flores? Is it Harrison Smith or is it Daniil Hunter? What do you think? I think it's Harry. I think Harry, and I'm I'm treating this kind of as a last hurrah because I don't know if he's going to be back. I don't. I think this could be his swan song. He may not announce it publicly. He might quietly go off into the sunset after the season. But I think there's a chance it's the final year of Harrison Smith. I think he is going to put it all out there. He's in a perfect role. He could be sitting on five picks and five sacks the way that uh, the way that they're going to use him. So I'm really pumped about Harrison Smith. Absolutely agree. Love Daniil Hunter. I think the rotation in the front seven is going to uh, be a great thing for a lot of the role guys. I think everybody's going to get a small piece of the pie. I don't think one guy's going to dominate all the numbers. Safety, though, you mention it. Harry's going to get his hands on a lot of balls again. Sacks, tackles for loss. Tackles are going to be racked up as well, plus the interceptions, maybe a forced fumble here or there. That's all he needs to win that defensive MVP for sure. Is there a dark horse that I forgot about that I'm not thinking about? Maybe I overlooked too quickly. I don't know. Byron Murphy, a Harrison Phillips, uh, somebody like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm pretty bullish on Marcus Davenport. I just think that he's he's been held down from finishing plays for two of the last three years. I think he's sitting on an explosive year from a sack perspective. I think he could change some games. And no team, and I guess that team being the Saints, the Saints never figured out how to keep him on the field all three downs. Occasionally dealt with injuries in New Orleans as well. If the Vikings can figure out how to have him on the field for 800 snaps instead of 500, think about what that's going to do to his total pressures. Think about what that's going to do to his overall production at the end of the year. I think he could be sitting on double-digit sacks. I think that's a legitimate possibility. Uh, Great stuff per usual. That was a lot of fun, man. I love these Tuesdays with you. Can't wait to pick your brain on tomorrow's episode. Go over all these roster moves that are about to unfold that we're going to witness over these next four or five hours. That'll be with Reggie Wilson. And again, we'll have all the roster updates, all the coverage all week long up on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel and right here every day on the Minnesota Football Party. That is a wrap today. Remember, you got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to that YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode of the Football Party. This is your one-stop shop breakdown of everything Minnesota Vikings. That's Sam Ekstrom on Twitter, at Sam Ekstrom. Check him out every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Co-hosting that Ron Johnson show. Thanks for tuning in to the Football Party, part of the Lockdown Sports Minnesota Network. We're back tomorrow. It's the Mailbag Edition with Kara Levin's very own Reggie Wilson. But until then... I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Signing off.